Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman. The mission of the Mosaic Life Podcast is to explore happiness, what it means to us as individuals, and why so many of us chase it, and yet we never seem to find it. If you enjoy the podcast, this particular episode, or any episode that's come before it, I would greatly appreciate your support, which you can lend in a number of different ways, the easiest of which is pressing subscribe in your podcast players. The podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts that helps others, just like yourselves, discover the conversations we have here. And finally, if you're on Instagram and you want more Mosaic Life podcast content in your life, you can follow me at Trey Kaufman, where you'll get a mix of podcast content, as well as photos and videos of me doing the things I love, such as running, rock climbing, and mountain biking. You know, sometimes I feel really lucky the way things work out with this podcast, both in terms of timing as well as the guests to whom I'm introduced. As a bit of a teaser, it's probably no secret we're creeping up on episode 100, which I'm really excited to produce and share. But out of pure coincidence, episode 100 will be coming out on the 4th of July this year. Definitely not something Ernie and I planned or could have planned when we launched the podcast together almost two years ago. But I'll have more on that in a few weeks. I feel incredibly fortunate today to have had the opportunity to talk with Tad Lusk because May is Mental Health Awareness Month, which, if I'm being honest with myself, I only learned of recently, which is why I'm so thankful the timing of this episode worked out so well. Tad Lusk is a licensed professional counselor, personal transformation coach, musician, and entrepreneur with over a decade of experience in mental health, personal growth and development, musical performance, and coaching and mentoring. Tad has a deep love for inspiring and empowering people to live their best lives. What I really love about this conversation is the time Tad and I spend discussing ways in which we challenge conventional wisdom. That can be in the traditional sense, related to our work environments and pushing back against the, but we've always done it this way mentality. But more specifically, it's in relation to pushing back against the lies we tell ourselves. For me, for the longest time, in fact, for the better part of 30 years, I would make up lies, if you even want to call them that, because I would honestly believe them, about why I was incapable of accomplishing some goal. The problem is, or was for me, was that those lies would become so ingrained, not just in my mind, but the way I lived my life, my actions, my thoughts, the words I used in conversation, would all reflect those lies. They were my truth. No one likes being challenged. Have you ever had someone question your beliefs to your face? If you have, you know that uncomfortable feeling it gives you. We're not used to it. And now we feel like we have to defend our beliefs. But suddenly, we realize we're incapable of doing so. We start to question how true they are. And it messes with our heads. And when that happens, we either dig ourselves deeper or, hopefully, a bit of light starts poking its way through the crack that just formed. 
That's the power of having someone in our corner, of having a coach. I didn't, and I tackled my demons the hard way and went about it alone, which I would not recommend. That's why this month, it's so important to recognize where we stand. Mental health is not taboo, and admitting to ourselves we're not where we want to be is a big step forward. It's not a step back. People like Tad are here to help us in these journeys. Please welcome my friend, Tad Lusk. Tad, how's it going, man? I appreciate you joining me. Yeah, yeah, it's going well. Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, same. Um, I want to point out the fact uh, that Nicole Jansen introduced us, and it happens to, when we're recording, and it actually happens to be her birthday, so I, I, I appreciate it. I just I can't express how much I appreciate her and the work she's doing, and then of course this introduction. Oh, nice! Yeah, happy birthday, Nicole! Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, how's uh, how's your week going? Remind me where you're located. I'm in uh, the Denver area. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. I love I love Colorado. It's it's beautiful out there. Um, do you do you get out yeah. much in regard to outdoor activities? I do. Yeah. It's usually like just starting kind of this time of year. Cause, um, so actually today is a good example. It's just gorgeous, like sunny and things are starting to get green and it's warm, Yeah. but it's been, it's been like, it's been a really kind of a late spring and we had a ton of snow in April. Um, so I usually start to kind of get out more and hike more like in May and that sort of thing That's um, great. And through the summer. But yeah, it's kind of just starting to get nice enough now to, to really be getting out and doing stuff. That's fantastic. Do you uh, do you get up in the mountains at all? I am. Um, I've become yeah. a fairly proficient rock climber over the last few years, and I've always been fascinated by by big mountains as opposed to tiny hills uh, we have in Ohio. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've I've never done any rock climbing, but um, but yeah, I do. I love to get up in the mountains. Um, and like you said, here if you go, you know, depending how far you go, there there's some pretty uh, pretty enormous mountains that are great for hiking or, or climbing too yeah. um so yeah it's it's pretty it can be pretty exhilarating to to get up there i usually try to do as much as i can during the during the summer that's fantastic do you, you ever run into any i don't know i say wildlife so loosely because again ohio doesn't have anything extremely dangerous which i'm thankful for but mm-hmm. bears mountain lions anything like that yeah, I've fortunately never come across a bear Good. or a mountain lion, but I've seen like I did. Uh, I have come across moose a couple of times. Yeah, um, and that was really cool because they're they're huge and they're so majestic. But yeah. you have to you do have to be really careful because they can be territorial and aggressive, and so you have to very you know keep your distance and tread with caution. But um, yeah, probably you know like uh, moose and plenty of like hawks and um marmot and different things like that yeah well i feel like that's this kind of a a natural way to start talking about this topic of conversation but when it comes to your mental health i mean how much do, do the do the outdoors play into that for you i know for me it's a significant piece and i i know i know there's been a lot of dialogue like you know this is 
if we if there if somebody is depressed or somebody has mental health issues going outside might not necessarily be the correct answer but i'm just curious you know how much exploring that side of our lives can you know help improve our outlook as opposed to looking at a screen for 15 hours a day oh yeah yeah that's a great question um i yeah actually i would love since you mentioned it i would love to hear like your experience with that too but yeah i i think um for me personally, it's, it's been a big thing. It's, um, you know, I, I definitely like in, especially in the winter months when, because I'm, I'm not a skier or a snowboarder. Um, and so I'm, I'm just spending much, much more time kind of cooped up indoors. Right. And it's, I, you know, in addition to the, the change in sunlight and everything, I really notice the change in, in my mood and my energy levels. And I find I have to work kind of that much harder to, um, you know, just generally feel, feel good, feel energized and everything. Yeah. Um, and I do find there's like, for me, there's been this kind of healing component to, um, that that's always kind of, I remember even when I was a kid, it was there. Like I loved my grandparents, um, actually lived in Brussels and they had, they lived near that. There was this giant, forest right by their house and yeah. so we would go there every day into this this really cool like forest and um and then of course growing up here in in colorado and spending so much time outside it it's definitely like something i need you know i've realized um to some extent you know it, yeah. it may not be every day but it's just you know even on the days when i <clears throat> excuse me when i'm working at home or that type of thing even just taking like five minutes to step outside and like feel the sun on my face, breathe some fresh air, just hear like the natural noises or even just the quiet. Um, it just kind of like simultaneously energizes and also calms me, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, and I, I, part of me has wondered if, if that's just a human need we have to some degree or, or another space. I mean, you know, if you think about it for how many, how many thousands of years were we, essentially living in natural environments. And then really over the, the course of maybe the last few hundred years, we've kind of built up right. many more structures and walls around ourselves. And like you said, these days spending countless hours on a screen um, and all of, you know, the, the effects that that can have, I think. Um, yeah. Understandably people, if you're not in some way connecting to the natural world, I think you, you know, a lot of people start to feel, um, disconnected in general. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. absolutely. And I, I will be the first to admit, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a doctor, um, but I am fascinated by brain chemistry and I'm fascinated mm -hmm. by positive psychology. And I, I, I can, I mean, I get in regard to my experience, I can tell you a couple of years ago, I'd actually just finished reading Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. It's the third book in what he calls a trilogy uh, that goes, the obstacle is the way, ego is the enemy, and then stillness is the key. And during the winter of all months where it gets quite cold here, probably not quite as cold as Colorado, but it, it definitely gets chilly, I would take lunch breaks. And I do work for myself. I would take lunch breaks. I would walk down to the quarry behind my apartment. I would just stand there by the water for half an hour until I couldn't feel my fingertips anymore. And I would just stare mm -hmm. out at it. And I would look at the tiny little 
micro undulations on the water. I would watch the birds overhead and I would just feel this sense of peace and this sense of calm. And honestly, it would, it would bring tears to my eyes sometimes because it was, it was just, it made me think and feel and realize that there's so much more <laughs> to life than, you know, trying to take over the business world or trying to, you know, bring in another billion dollars in, in funding or just taking time for yourself and realizing how important it is to recognize the beauty around you. I know that sounds trite, that sounds cliche, but it, it really is important. And it's so good for us to yeah. just reflect for that time being. Oh yeah, man, that's so true. I, that's, that's cool that you shared that. Cause I, I, um, yeah, it's something I, I still have to remind myself too. just like anybody. I think I can have a tendency sometimes to really get caught up in the the drama of yeah. the day or the or even just all of my goals you know right. <laughs> like career related business related like to do's like e everything that that kind of like all the little micro storylines yeah that make up our day-to-day -day life and then but like you were talking about when you have those moments and you see that um even just the, the yeah the little interactions of the birds on the water or whatever it is like you see the way um, the natural world just kind of progresses in its own way, regardless of anything I might be worrying about or thinking about. And, and there's something really comforting about that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and to, to go back just briefly, touching on positive psychology, when it comes to the things that we are trying to accomplish, we are so much more likely to find success in those tasks if we're if we have a I shouldn't say if we're happy going into them, but if we have a positive mindset going into a task, we're far more likely mm -hmm. to be successful in that task than we are to find joy and happiness upon the completion of that task because we're just mm -hmm. going to set our sights even further. And so this, this little secret that I've actually never shared on this podcast before, but prior to recording prior to you hopping on here i listened to one of my favorite or i watched one of my favorite music videos on youtube it's a short three minute video uh it's 21 pilots covering i can't help falling in love with you it's elvis's song mm. and just, that song it just it just hits me and it puts a smile on my face even if i spend the last two hours dealing with crap that i didn't want to it puts me in the right. great mindset to actually have a, a real in-depth conversation oh nice that's cool yeah it's sometimes simple shifts like that isn't it um but yes yeah, it takes like kind of being conscious and aware of of your mindset and, yeah. and recognizing that oh yeah this is something that can kind of shift that and uh yeah along the lines of what you were talking about approaching tasks and things so much of it is about setting that tone for yourself right like for i think both you and i mostly work for ourselves and yeah and so there's a lot of a lot of time where it's just me and my work me and the I, I work with people but it's like me and and whatever task i'm approaching and so it's like whatever my relationship is to it that's going to determine how i feel about it how i yeah. how i approach it and yeah something i'm i'm kind of working on along those lines that it is trying to find ways to yeah, essentially shift my attitude going into something that I might not otherwise look forward to or enjoy that much. You know, yeah. if it's like sending um, 
you know, some, some cold messages or if it's reaching out to new prospects or things that might be a little bit more challenging or that I might not relish as much. I'm trying to find ways to approach it in a positive mindset. Like you said, like, Hey, I rather than I have to do X, Y, Z, it's like, okay, I get to, yes, I get to do this. And, um, and even that, just that little shift in my, like choosing my perspective on it, it does make a difference in, in my energy going through it. And then how I, how I feel about it. And, and I would like to think, how I show up and, and maybe the, some of the results too. But I think at the very least, it's like, okay, I feel better about, yeah. <laughs> about work or, you know, and I think that's probably something that can be applied in a lot of different contexts. I love that. I love that. And actually along those lines, um, w- leading up to this call, I was, I was in your, um, uh, empowered introverts, introverted entrepreneurs group on Facebook, which I absolutely love. And I'm, I'm looking forward to talking more about that, but I was watching, uh, a video, uh, that you had recorded, um, talking about procrastination and, mm. and, and fear. And so I, well, before, before I really get into that, I am curious, you know, what has helped you shift that mindset around approaching a task that you don't want to do because you know i think in the video you mentioned you know avoiding things that are unpleasant and and nobody nobody i don't care what you say or anybody i don't care what anybody says you know nobody wants to cold call or cold email you know uh, somebody out of the blue it's just it's just not fun to do and so I, i how do you i mean how do you you shift the way of looking at that so you can you know do it with all of the I guess all the passion, all of the showing up with your best self for that. Yeah, that's a good question, and definitely something I'm. I'm. That's an ongoing uh, process that I'm that I'm working on and honing. But um, yeah, I mean, I think a few things. You know, uh, for me, it's part of it's connecting to why, like, what is my overall goal or overall mission. Um, so that might be one of the uh, tasks, one of the steps that's going to enable um, connections, which are going to enable um, possible opportunities and so on and so forth. And so sometimes for me, it's like keeping in mind my vision of where I would like to be um, and why that's important to me and trying to get like emotionally invested in that. Yeah. Um, and then I find that that kind of sometimes shrinks down the the task that otherwise might seem kind of daunting or, or at the very least annoying or something like that. (laughs) And it's like, okay, not such a big deal. I can handle doing, you know, sending X number of messages or, or whatever it might be um, even, or some other like things that are more, more tedious that, that still need doing. And, um, yeah, and I think part of it too is just like, you know, um, feeling some sort of accomplishment if I if I follow, you know, when I yeah. follow through. Yeah, it's like okay, I can feel like a small modicum of pride in that. I'm like, okay, I didn't want to do this thing, and I did it anyway. And just like I would, you know, to a client or somebody like that, I would give them credit for that and you know, pushing through that. So it's trying to sometimes take my own medicine with that too, and. Like, hey, like, 
good job. You're making progress. You yes. know, it, like trying to motivate myself in essence. Yeah. You know, I, I like something you said in that video. Um, <clears throat> you asked yourself, what's the best thing that can happen? And before you, you touch on that, it, it makes me think of uh, Tim Ferriss's exercise of fear setting and essentially asking, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? And the two may seem completely opposite, but I think you're going to get to the same point if you if you see them out. And what I really, really love about asking yourself what is the best thing that can happen is that, you know, if, if you if you cold email for just using that example, somebody who is a, a great lead for you or a great lead for me and, you know, asking yourself what's the best can happen is that, hey, I get a new, I get a new client that, you know, may be a $10,000 contract and I, I, you know, I make my quarter or, or what have you. And at the same, mm-hmm. on the same token, the other side of that token is that, you know, what's the worst that can happen in this particular instance, they don't email me back. I mean, is that, is that really... Uh, uh, that big of a of a pain point or a fear that is going to hold you back from you know making a really good connection i mean that, that fear of rejection i, I think is what uh, it hinders a lot of people and uh, moving forward with anything yeah yeah definitely that fear of rejection seems to be almost universal like just from i not only my my experience but just people i talk to and and what people share you know um and like you said, yeah, when you really stop, like, take a, a, a minute to stop and consider it, it's like, how bad is that really? You know, like, it's, it's might be, it might not feel good for a moment or something, but then it's, ultimately, it's not, it doesn't really hurt you, you know, right. it's kind of like, and, and I think, too, it's like, if you can build up your tolerance in some way, yes. um, almost like desensitizing yourself a little bit to, <laughs> to it. It's like, Oh, I can, I can deal with it. Uh, and it doesn't, you know, because otherwise, yeah, it does threaten to be a thing that like a wall that yeah. prevents you from moving forward. It's like, okay, can I, can I, even if I don't like it, can I at least tolerate it? And most of the time, it's especially in that example you were giving, it's like, yeah, I can, I can tolerate that. <laughs> I can yeah. deal with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, the funny thing is, too, again, just continuing with that example is sometimes it people respond much more positively than I would ever even predict. You yeah. know, like a lot of times when I connect with people, they're like really nice or they're like, hey, thanks so much for connecting. I really appreciate it. Or this sounds awesome. Thanks for sharing this. And usually in our head, we're thinking about we kind of have a, a negativity bias, I think, in general, that, that tends to sort of imagine a negative, a, a if not worst case, negative scenario that the person's going to be rude or right. dismissive or or not respond. And, and rarely, I find, does that happen. And, and if and when it does, um, it's usually, again, it's something, it's a tolerable bump in the road. It's not like well, that fearful if we really examine it. Yeah. I like, I like what you said about becoming desensitized to that, I guess, rejection probably needs a, the branding probably needs a little bit of work. I don't know if desensitized or desensitizing is is the best way to say it, but I, I, I absolutely know what you mean. And to give you an obscure anecdote, you know, as I mentioned, I, I do love rock climbing and there are many different forms of it. 
And I, I've gotten to a point where I'm, I'm doing a lot of lead climbing, which means there's an opportunity for bigger falls, which can be really mm. scary if, you know, you, you, depending on how high you are on the wall, it's, it, 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 you open yourself up to greater, I guess, risk, you can call it that. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that as you take more and more falls, you know, to, to push up the metaphor a little bit more, as you get used to that that risk, as you get used to making those falls, then you, you do become desensitized to it. You expect it to happen. And when you've expected to happen, you can take it in stride and then you can use what you've learned from that particular climb that particular email call whatever and then you can use it going into the future to perfect you know your pitch or or whatever it is and so i really do like what you say about you know not being overly sensitive about you know your your failures and your rejections and your setbacks because in reality if you if you use them to your advantage then they're only going to help you learn and grow yeah yeah definitely so it's it's looking at it as okay how can i like I like what you said about use that to my advantage. Like, how can I use this as data, you yeah. know, like or information, like, um, you know, in a way that that'll help me improve. Like, maybe I can improve my messaging, or maybe I can, you know, yeah. Um, and that's a different. Um, I guess you'd call that growth mindset, but it's it's um, it's a different approach to sort of falling down and getting up and falling down and getting up and yeah. <laughs> recognizing that, okay, this is, this is making me stronger making me better. And it, it's kind of putting that focus on ultimately where you want to be or what you want to improve upon as opposed to letting, looking at it as a failure and a reflection on, on your self-worth or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I am, I'm curious and I want to bring this up now, you know, as I mentioned, you, you do run an, an introverted entrepreneurs group on Facebook. And I'm curious where that came from, because I love it, first of all. And I think that, I think there's a lot of creativity to be had within introverts, but I don't know, I don't know where I consider myself on that spectrum. I, I definitely used to be highly introverted and I've, I finally came out of my, my shell out of necessity, but you know, what, what tools are you helping, uh, the people within your community utilize so that they're on a level playing field as everybody else? Yeah. Great question. So yeah, a lot of, uh, one of my goals and, um, kind of focus points for that is to, um, take a strengths-based approach, which is essentially looking at, okay, we've all got a spectrum of strengths and weaknesses and kind of things in between. But um, again, often be due to, to whether it's our, our past experiences or our mindset or our, our perspectives tend to focus in on the weak areas and, uh, and, and kind of um, argue for our limitations in some ways in terms of like why, you know, all the reasons why I'm, I can't do this or all the reasons why it probably won't work or why I'm not cut out for this or that. Right. Um, and so what I'm really trying to do is, um, kind of reveal and help people think about what are strengths that they might be taking for granted, um, you know, such as the ability to focus deeply on one thing at a time or the ability to connect really well one-on-one -on -one with people with empathy, 
yeah. or the ability to um, spend long periods of time alone for creativity and reflection and coming up with ideas and things that really do, if you really look at the big picture, um, sort of set someone up very well for entrepreneurship, but it's a matter of um, kind of knowing what your what those strengths are that you might otherwise overlook and leaning into them a bit more, uh, whether that's like how you schedule your workflows um, or even just, yeah, again, your, your perspective and, and whether you feel confident or not approaching it. Uh, and um, another big thing too that we're exploring is energy, you know, and how to sort of find ways to, to cut out what's unnecessary and conserve um, energy so that when it does come to the tasks that might be a little bit more typically draining for an introvert, um, you know, especially front facing kind of outwardly facing activities or meeting lots of people, networking, those types of things. It's like, okay, what, you know, even just with lifestyle, how can we conserve energy so that um, when it comes to those things, you, you weren't so wiped out, you know, and, and it's not going to burn you out um, doing the things that you need to do for your business. Um, but yeah, I, I've kind of working in mental health for so long and, and likewise thinking about mental fitness is like kind of like we were talking about earlier with uh, being able to tolerate discomfort and things like that, you know, that ways that we can actually strengthen um, our mind and the way we, we think about and approach things. Um, you know, I think sometimes, again, it, as introverts, we can have fears or discomforts around being seen and yeah. being, being sort of sharing our inner world, if that makes sense. And, uh, some of that takes, you know, I guess a lot of things, but, but belief, um, but also learning how to kind of tolerate the discomfort and actually relish some of the good things that that can come from that, some of the growth that can come from that. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to offer some, some support and education in all those different areas. I love that. Now that's extremely powerful work. Um, <clears throat> I know when it comes to putting yourself out there, we have a tendency to, to judge ourselves extremely harshly. I mean, that's, that's not a secret. We think that uh, we're inferior to other people who do similar things or even just people we meet because other people put on big personalities and maybe we mm -hmm. don't have one uh, to match. And I, I know from experience how, how I don't know, demoralizing isn't the right word, but I guess intimidating, you know, large networking events can be. Um, and mm -hmm. for me, meeting people one-on-one -on -one is, is, is so much easier. And it's, it's honestly so much more efficient. Um, but one... One quote that I hadn't heard, actually, a guest turned me on to it in his book, that comparison is the thief of joy. And that was Teddy Roosevelt who said mm -hmm. that. I, yeah. even, even now, and I consider myself a fairly successful entrepreneur, I get caught up in the trap of saying, well, this web designer is so much more talented in regard to UX design. And, you know, when it comes to his jQuery scripts and all, it just, I, it, it, it's infuriating to me to, to run myself in those mental th circles, thinking that just because somebody else is more talented than I am, and trust me, it, it, I'd be foolish to, say, to, to think that I'm the most talented in the world at anything. That's, 
that's that's that is unhealthy as well. But to compare mm-hmm. myself to somebody else is just going to continue to help beat myself down when the rest of the world is they don't they don't care. I mean, at, at the very least, people want to pick you up. If somebody goes out of their way to, to beat you down, then they have no place in your universe. And so when you compare yourself to other people, you're just doing the work for those toxic people yourself. And I, I can't stress enough how, how, how important it is to not compare yourself to other people. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, for sharing that example. That's, that's so important. I think cause it's, it factors into imposter syndrome. It factors into, um, even just like you were talking about feeling inferior or getting discouraged or, you know, all of those things that, that again can stop you in your tracks and um yeah it's it's good to remember like you said because it's not about sort of uh thinking that that you're the, the absolute top right like right. I said, that probably wouldn't be realistic or healthy but instead it's recognizing that yeah there are <clears throat> some people that are better at this and that but you know no one can quite do your thing in the way that you do it and right that's something i have to keep reminding myself too as a especially as a coach because there are a lot of coaches out there but it's kind of like well yeah you know some people are going to be helped by um by this person or that person some people are going to be helped by me um no one can do kind of what i do exactly in the way yes. that i do it and so instead of comparing again it's and, and obviously we can compare on a lot of different metrics too like people who have um whatever kind of work you do who have been maybe doing it longer or they're they're at a different stage in their career or whatever but it's again refocusing on um okay that's ultimately that's not going to be productive for me to be sort of comparing apples and oranges and and questioning where i'm at you know because it it is where i'm at so let's just work with what i've got and um and try to lean into my strengths and unique qualities knowing that the right people are going to connect with that you know yes. um, the people that i can help and uh it's funny i i watched this um documentary on netflix i think it was about tony robbins you know it was, yeah it was called i am not your guru i think i've heard of that um, i've heard wonderful things about that yeah it was actually a really great movie i i would recommend it, it was um it kind of goes behind the scenes of like one of his big uh date with destiny events i think it is but um obviously his his style you know in the way that they put on those these massive events and kind of going for 14 hours a day and yeah. just running around and like doing these you know with there's like five thousand people in the room and he's like yelling and jumping up and down. <laughs> it's like oh my gosh you know i remember after i watched that at first I was like, I felt really um, like in a weird way, kind of dejected or something because I was like, oh my gosh, that's so far from my personality. How am I going to make a difference or how am I going to help people? But then I pretty soon, pretty quickly, I caught myself and I was like, wait a minute, that's the wrong way to look at it. You yes. know, it's like, I, you don't, not everyone has to be or even should be Tony Robbins. You know, it's about what do you bring to the table? You know, he's got his thing, which is, which is great, but it's looking at, well, I don't, yeah, I don't have to do that. I can, you know, um, lean into my own personality and my own style. Yeah. And 
that that when you do what you do well, um, people will connect with that if you're being genuine and authentic. And that's one of the things that I hope to um, hope to in, in some way impart or help um, my fellow uh, <laughs> introvert entrepreneurs with as well. Yeah, and the beauty in what you just said is that I imagine that's exactly what Tony would tell you if he was having a conversation with you face to face. Don't be me. I want you to be the best version of yourself, whatever that means. And that's, that I think is why he, listen, I've never been to one of his conferences. I don't know a ton about him, but I do know that he's extremely empathetic and extremely giving when it comes to helping others. And I, I have to imagine that's exactly what he would say to you. Yeah, that's a, that's probably a really good point. He'd probably be like, "I don't want you to be me." You know, he'd be like, You're not supposed to be me. You're supposed to, you know, and he'd be like, "Yeah, he'd pull out." Right? Well, what do you bring? What do you bring to the table? You know? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. And you know, I think it's important to remember and to realize that we don't live in a vacuum. We don't work in a vacuum. Yes, I, for my specific instance, I am a web designer and I'm a podcaster, but those aren't the only things about me. There's a million other people who are better at both of those things than me, but I'm really good at building relationships. I'm, I'm, I I think I'm, I'm hoping pretty good at having conversations. I'm great at taking care of my clients and not, Mm -hmm. you know, those things are not, you know, packaged. They're not packaged. Not every web designer is a great relationship builder or or client manager. And those are the things that I bring to the table to make sure that my clients are taken care of without question. And so you have all of these different pools of talents and resources and personality traits that you're bringing to these relationships. It's not just this one little blip on, on somebody's radar and you have to compare yourself against that. And again, you shouldn't compare yourself, but you bring every ounce of your experience for me, all 35 and a half years of it to the relationships that I'm building. And that's, that's important to, to really start thinking about your value in that case. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. Like you were, yeah, like I like how you said all thirty five and a half years in your case, you know, is um yeah, it's your it's your it's the sum of all of your experiences and what you've learned and, and developed through those and uh like you said, what you bring in terms of your relationship building abilities and um what you do, the level of service that you provide and yeah, that it's not <laughs> like you said, it's we're not sort of nor should we be defined by uh our title or our role or whatever that might be right and honestly that's what i love about coaches um i've i've had prior prior to starting this podcast i hadn't had a lot of experience with coaches i i just i i didn't really know i i didn't know what it meant i mean i had i i played baseball and golf growing up so i yes i had coaches i had the I had the the quintessential idea of what a coach is. I never stopped to consider that there are other areas of coaching that exist in this life, especially when it comes to business or when it comes to, you know, your your personal pursuits. And so as I started having these conversations, I realized what sort of value coaches like yourself bring to the table. And I, and I've made this distinction before, and I'm going to make it again. Coaches are not gurus. I love coaches because they use their life experience to help the people that they're working with 
through their own experiences. To me, and I, I may be mistaken about this, but gurus just want to be seen as an expert and they want to sell you whatever snake oil or, you know, whatever whatever piece of wisdom they have, regardless of whether or not it's a fit for you. So I really, really love coaches. And I mean, you yourself, you, I mean, you're a personal transformation coach, correct? Correct. Uh-huh. So talk to me a little bit more about the work that you do in that arena. Yeah. So like you were saying, I think it's not, yeah, in, at least in my view, coaching is not about, like you said, the, the, the guru perspective of I have all the answers and I have exactly what you need and you should do what I tell you to do. But to me, that's not, um, I don't think realistic or, or yeah. even helpful in most cases. I think you know, really what, how the way I see my role is to be able to see uh, whatever you want to call it, like the, the fire or the potential yes. in somebody that they maybe, maybe they know it's there or maybe they're struggling to see it. But in either case, maybe they're having trouble fully living it or getting it out. And yeah. my job is to help them maybe shift their perspectives in some cases or think about things in a different way, in a different light to highlight, uh, help them highlight for themselves strengths that they maybe didn't realize that they had or overlooked. And again, a lot of that can come from uh, life experiences and things like that. And in some cases it's, it's being a mirror, you know, and asking the right questions at the right time that and it's really cool when it happens you can see it like the gears turn on people's faces sometimes but you see like they're like oh you know when you when you help them have an insight about something and they're like i didn't think of it like that before yeah. or yeah maybe oh yeah i didn't think about that like that might be another possibility or you know and so it's really like helping them open doors and, and um, develop insight and uh and in some cases you know some cases it's providing some suggestions and strategies and and motivation, but it's a lot of it is really helping uncover what's already there that they has just been covered over by, um, whatever it is, you know, um, their, their own perspective or uh, life experiences. I love that. I love seeing those, those perspective shifts. I love seeing those light bulbs go off in somebody's eyes. And I, Mm -hmm. I, I love, I love challenging conventional conventional wisdom and preconceived notions and asking ourselves about the lies that we've been telling ourselves i i've told myself so many lies over the years i can't even begin to to list them off but i i believed them for the longest time because nobody would challenge them i i I didn't have anybody Mm -hmm. saying you know why can't you why can't you start a podcast? Why can't you start your own business? Why can't you go off on your own? Why can't you demand more money from your or from your employer? Why can't you work remotely, you know, two days a week? These are just things that I accepted to be fact because that's that has been the conventional wisdom. Mm. How ha, I mean when you when you talk about shifting perspective with with your clients, I mean what have been some of the most powerful breakthroughs that you've seen and how have you helped them just get through those barriers? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I'm trying to think of a good, like a recent example. 
Um, but yeah, sometimes it can even just be in a message in the group or something like that, you know. Um, but one of the, you know, the couple of people I worked with recently, um, actually, there was a young um, lady who was, for, for a variety of reasons, um, had really kind of um, lost touch with herself in yeah. a lot of ways. And, um, you know, through the the work together in, and kind of, again, just asking her some questions and helping having her explain some things to me and connect with some memories and different things like that was able to kind of pull out what are the things that, that was she was really missing um, that were part of who she is, but that she, again, she lost touch with for yeah. a variety of reasons. And, um, and so we kind of broke it down to like, small like little actions or things that she'd been thinking about doing but hadn't done in a long time um for no really no good reason just out of habit right yeah and you know and then she would like we, we'd meet again and then she would uh talk about oh i did this you know i played my banjo i used to love doing that or i was started painting again or i did this thing or i was singing in the car and i never i haven't done that in you know, four years or something. And I used to love that. And, um, and, and as that happened, you know, it, it, you could just see, it was like the, she looked brighter, the way she carried herself was different. Yeah. Um, the way she talked was different, her tone, it was like energy, like everything just kind of shifted. And it was a matter of just essentially reconnecting. Well, who was that person? despite like what has happened, you know, and what, who was that person that, that you lost touch with and why can't we start, you know, start to get that back? Um, yeah. What would, what would ways could you start living into that again, just even in daily life? Um, and through that, she was able to really start like, like I said, reconnecting and feeling ultimately feeling more like herself, which had been, a huge um, missing piece for, for a lot of years. Yeah, absolutely. God, that's, that's amazing. Do you, I don't know, do you ever find yourself, you know, when you, when you work with people who are, are working through blocks and barriers, I mean, do you, I, to, to me, the perception is to be, you know, a, a good counselor, a good coach, you have to have some form of empathy, whether or not that's, you know, at level two or level 20. Do you ever feel like you yourself are, are bringing in some of the, I guess, the barriers or the barriers or like the, the, I guess the, I don't know, I don't want to say negativity, but do you ever feel like you're, you're pulling or zapping some of that from your clients and taking it into yourself? And I guess the question I'm trying to ask is how are you taking care of yourself to make sure that you are not being blocked up by anything that's that you've held within yourself, um, you know, either in the past or in the present? Yeah, definitely. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of sounds like in some ways you're asking about emotional, um, like boundaries with empathy. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. How to not sort of like burn out or sort of have compassion fatigue or those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So, right. It's, I, I can definitely remember times in the past, um, 
especially like as a therapist, especially if I was working in more intensive settings and things like that, where I would, it would, it would catch up to me. I wouldn't realize it until after it caught up to me and it would be like, I felt like I couldn't, like I, it would come to my day off and I'd be like, I can't do anything except lay here today because yeah. <laughs> you know, I was so wiped out and I was like, okay, that's not sustainable. Right. Yeah. So over time I have gotten better at, um, I think it's twofold. Part of it is the being able to hold space for somebody else's, um, emotions, I guess we could say, um, without it, without becoming so invested in it that, it, that I start to feel exactly what they're feeling right. too. Like I can right. know, I can know and understand what someone's feeling without necessarily having to feel it myself in my body. So yeah. part of it was just developing that, just practicing that ability to, to be able to hold that without um, taking it on. Uh, but the other part I think too, for me has just been um, working on uh, being as, as sort of, healthy as I can outside of work and that can look a lot of different ways you know um it can mean like like we talked about earlier like connecting with with nature or uh, making like prioritizing time for just hobbies and things that are fun to me um a lot of it has been you know I've gotten a lot of help just from having some good few good people around me like my family or my fiance super supportive or a couple of good friends that, that know, um, that I can actually talk to when I'm, when I'm not feeling so great. Yeah. Um, you know, I've occasionally throughout the years, I've gone back and gotten my own counseling and coaching, you know, when I needed help with various things. Um, and yeah. And then it's like, you know, it's sometimes too, it's, it's really prioritizing those basics like sleep and diet and exercise. And I have for probably the past, I don't know, two or three years, I've had like a daily um, meditation practice, kind of like a daily morning routine where before, you know, before I allow myself to get into the work for the day or really check anything online or anything like that, I I take time to um, like stretch and move. And then I, I meditate usually with an app or some sort of guided meditation. Um, occasionally I'll, I'll pray during that time. Um, and you know, just having that kind of like, I guess you could call it a spiritual practice or foundation to my life has been a huge part of feeling balanced. And even, even when things go out of balance, feeling like I'm able to navigate without getting tossed and, and overwhelmed and still feel grounded kind of regardless of what, other changes might be happening around me. Um, so those are, you know, definitely some of the things that have, that have helped a lot for me. Yeah. And it's, um, I mean, you've got a toolkit. I mean, when, when in, in, in my mind, it, it, I play it out as an, as an algorithm, you know, when, when you start mm-hmm. to feel this way, then you're, you, you know exactly how you need to treat it. So you can, mm-hmm. I guess, remedy the situation. And, and honestly, if I've learned, anything in this podcast and I, I get asked that a lot because it's a bold statement to say you host a podcast on happiness well how do you how are you happy all the time the idea 
that I've learned, yeah. the concept that I've learned is that it's so freaking holistic. I mean, the happiness isn't just doing things you enjoy. It's not just, you know, mm -hmm. uh, rock climbing or, or playing music. I, I don't think you've mentioned it here, but you are a musician. Going outside yeah. is not just those things. It is every aspect of your life. It's, it, yes, it's, it's exercising. Yes, it's getting really good sleep. It's eating healthy. It's making sure your body feels good, which will in turn help your mind feel good. And it's, it's this whole practice that we can't just reach out and grasp. It's something that to me is very intangible, but when you are immersed in it, then you know it and you feel it and you want to stay there. And so you want to do everything you can to maintain that sense of well-being and contentment and oftentimes joy and sometimes pleasure. Mm. And it's just, it's so important to realize that it's not just one thing. It's this whole practice. It's this whole series of, I guess, work-related or just tasks that you need to, to work on frequently and often. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely... Um... Yeah, it's it's it is. It's something you have to maintain and, and work at and um it's not a sort of set it and forget it state. And uh yeah, it takes adjustment and it's but you like you were saying, it's um as you like as I've practiced that over time and over the years, being more alert to my own state, it's like you do start to notice the I guess you could say like the warning signs or the yeah. signals when you're starting to, to become less healthy or less yeah. balanced. It's like you start to notice those things more subtly and, and sooner so that you can like make little adjustments, um, you know, as, as best you're able to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another obscure metaphor uh, or analogy. I, uh, I recently got a, a Subaru uh, Crosstrek and it's got assisted lane or lane keep assistance or whatever you want to call it. So essentially, if I'm not right. paying attention and I start to drift over the center line of the freeway, the steering wheel will literally move itself to get back to the middle of the lane. And I think with practice, you know, whether or not it's when we meditate to relax, to feel better or to just take time to be mindful with practice, we get to a point where when we start to feel anxious, we automatically go into a state of recovery. And I, I, mm -hmm. I can't, I can't state it enough. You know, that takes work and it does take practice. And, but when you do get there, there's, there's no better, there's no better sense of fulfillment knowing that you can, you can, you're in control of your emotions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, right. I think that's really well said. It's, it's, um, there's great, like, peace of mind, I guess you could say, in knowing that, okay, ultimately I am the sort of navigator of my own ship. And I, I know that I have the tools and ability to not become out of control, to not, you know, to essentially be like, I'll still experience the emotions and I'll still have times of, of stress and whatever it might be, but I know that it's not ultimately i'm still in control like it's not gonna completely overtake me or overwhelm me that you know and there's kind of a confidence and stability that can come from from knowing that and, and knowing that i think comes from working at it like you were saying and developing that over time and um just out of actually out of curiosity if you don't mind my asking yeah 
what are some of the things that that uh, currently like really help you maintain a certain level of happiness or well-being or that's a really good question i appreciate you asking that um you know, I, I wish I could say I was meditating every day. I'm, I'm not, but I do get a lot of value out of it. It actually it means a lot. Um, and I, 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 when I when I actually sit down to do it for for 20 minutes, I I, I gain a lot of mental clarity. So that that is helpful. But um, I make sure to create space and create time to to do the things that I'm, I'm actually really passionate about. And, you know, as I've mentioned probably too many times, you know, I, I really love rock climbing. I'm a big runner um, and mountain biking has uh, become a really big passion of mine. And so I like, I like tinkering with bikes and that's probably become one of my most favorite passions is because you can actually, you know, you can upgrade, you can take things apart, you can put them back together. And I've found a lot of fulfillment in that. And so if I, f- if I'm feeling stressed out, I'll, I'll hop on to, uh, there's a website called worldwide, worldwide cyclery.com where I can just look at all sorts of bike parts that I, I can't afford yet. But, um, it's, it's fun to, to sit back and kind of daydream about, you know, what I can do with, uh, this, this old bike that I'm rebuilding. Um, but just escaping, uh, escaping, uh, from, from my computer, getting outside. And, uh, I, I do a lot of reading as well. So just making sure that I am keeping the space for myself that I need to maintain not only just my level of contentment, um, but also, you know, a level of consistency and, and you can call it mastery and call it whatever you want, but, you know, a level of dedication to my clients and making sure that they are getting the work that, uh, that they deserve and that they need to receive and that they signed that they signed me on to, to accomplish for them. So, just um, maintaining my space and protecting my time has been exceptionally important, um, and I've gotten much better at uh, blocking out my calendar to make that space. Uh, so I know that there's no other options. Nobody's going to monopolize my time uh, because I, I, I just it's it's not possible to do. Right, right. That's really cool. Okay, yeah. yeah. When you were talking about the um, cycling as well and like tinkering with your bike, and it it reminded me of like. It, Kind of sounds like it maybe serves a similar role that guitar playing and stuff yeah. does for me because I'll just you know it it is a space that's totally um and I mean I do like make some extra money out of here and there but it's it's really just a space that's totally separate um, from my work life and, yes. and that role and and it's yeah I'll just you know I'll disappear into um you know there's a handful of like YouTube channels that I follow from guitar players who are reviewing different things or. Um, and it's really fun to just be able to disappear into a different world. Um, and, uh, you know, especially one that's, that's just kind of, again, for your own exploration or enjoyment. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you, I, I, I truly mean this. I love how you gave the caveat that sometimes you do make money from it because I, I have gotten myself into the trap or I've, I've tried to remove myself from the trap where, I have felt like everything I'm good at, I need to monetize. And that was a dangerous place for me because I I didn't want Mm. to start a thousand different businesses. I need to know that just because I can fix a bike doesn't mean I need to create a website and business around you know, Trey's bike repair. That's, it's very important to realize that because I, I know I'm not the only one who does that 
just because you're good at something, just because you're passionate about something, doesn't mean you need, you need to make it a business. In fact, if you do, a lot of times I think you can lose that, you know, that 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 drive to continue learning more about it. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's probably a probably a question that's worth asking for for a lot of folks is like, do I really do I really want to make a business out of this or do I want to just allow this to be my my safe fun space yeah. so to speak you know um and yeah I'm the, I mean I'm always grateful to that I've been able to um get paid for guitar playing on occasion but yeah. it's not it you know it's certainly not the reason I do it and I don't even anymore like I don't even seek that out it's just people occasionally will call me or book me for something yeah um, and I'm grateful for that but it's it's uh you know I, at this point I don't I pretty much only play or accept gigs that I want to do that, that I'm interested in, you know, and, yes. and sometimes, sometimes with, um, with professional gigging musicians, they can get into a, a pattern of just, um, doing whatever it takes to survive, you know, yeah. and stay afloat and will end up sort of taking any and every gig, even if, they don't enjoy the music or even if it's unfulfilling or even if it's they don't want to be doing that particular gig musically and, they, and they'll just kind of take it because it pays the bills but right. I'm, I think for me that would be um, if I was just doing that and just hustling everything I could it would take a, an element of joy out of it for sure yeah absolutely Tad, it has been, well, first of all, a pleasure talking, and it's already been an hour, which has just flown by. But before I kind of bring things to a close here, I wanted to give you an opportunity real quick, if you'd like to talk about uh, your Mental Health Mastery uh, online course, because we, we touched briefly on on your work in that space, but I, I just want to know a little bit more about uh, the, the course that you're launching. Yeah, thanks for asking about that. So I'm planning to... Uh, launch like you said a an online course um called mental health mastery uh, i'm gonna do my best to launch it next month in may which is uh, mental health awareness month um but really i i kind of got the idea to create this last year um during the pandemic when i knew uh you know so during quarantine when so many people were struggling within their mental health and i was only able to meet one-on-one -on -one with a limited number of people and I was thinking to myself like what you know people need help they need resources and what if I could take some of the most effective and proven um, skills and strategies and approaches um, you know mentally and behaviorally and emotionally that I do often like teach my clients like there are certain skills I teach over and over I thought what if I could sort of put a lot of these together in a cohesive format that somebody who wants to really um, take charge of and improve their mental health, whether it's anxiety or depression they're trying to break free from, or just wanting to enhance like their overall mental and emotional well-being, like that they could essentially log into this and go through, you know, these videos and have action steps to take and have metrics and different things that they could track and um yeah so i've been working on it for quite a while now i'm really excited for it i think it, it's something that can um, 
hopefully will that I hope will help a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be launching it in my group, Mental Health Mastery, which is like a free uh, Facebook community. Um, and then uh, I'm trying to sell that course after that. But, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to to just get it out there and, and see what happens and um, tweak and improve it and uh, hoping it'll it'll be helpful for people. That's fantastic. And I will, of course, put the link to that group um, in the show notes. And that kind of naturally leads me into one of my final questions. If there is a resource out there that somebody has that they can lend to you to help you grow or to help you, I don't know, launch this program, what resources are you looking for to continue uh, your growth and to help build this program? Yeah, great question. Um, so I am uh, enrolled in actually a couple of coaching programs myself to kind of help with that. One was a um, a program with a guy named Carl Parnell, who sort of teaches you know how to sell online courses and, and things like that. And um, and then I'm also in a program called Practitioner Freedom, um, which helps uh, therapists you know take their expertise online um so fortunately i do have some good resources with that but yeah i think it's you know because you learn and then you realize like oh there's you realize what more there is to learn and so you know or come up against like my own limitations or something i'm like okay i need some more help with whatever it might be so um yeah so i think you know I'm, i'm just gonna continue to be on the lookout for um people who know more than I do when it comes to um, growing and scaling an online business or even just marketing and, um, and, you know, how to sort of find and reach the people that could be most helped by it. So that's fantastic. That's something I'm always on the, on the lookout for. That's awesome. I love hearing that. Um, my next question, and you provided three great answers to this question, and I'm looking forward to talking just briefly about them. But if you have a life-changing book or life-changing books that you really credit with having just such a profound influence on on your on the outlook of your future or on your life path, what would uh, they be and why? Yeah, um, that, so that was a great question, and when I saw it on the form i was like oh shoot what am i gonna put what am i gonna pick because initially i was like trying to think of that one book and then that's why i kind of cheated and put three in there but um i think one of the ones that that was quite like eye-opening for me in a lot of ways was the power of now yeah eckhart tolle um i guess it's pretty much kind of a classic by now really famous book but um yeah at the time that i picked it up which was probably Gosh, I don't know. When was that? I don't even remember. It was probably like in the early 2000s or something um, when I was still a a young man. And uh, I was, you know, really struggling with depression and things like that. But I didn't know that that's what it was. And I didn't know kind of what was going on. And the way that that book explains kind of the way the mind works and the way our relationship to our own thought patterns and and the ego and these different concepts that when I read it and when I was reading it, I was like, Oh, this makes perfect sense to me. Like this is, it's sort of, it was giving voice to what I was experiencing, but in a way that I hadn't noticed in other books. Um, And I'm sure there are 
plenty of other great ones too along those lines. But at that time, I didn't. It, it sort of, like I said, explained something clearly that I didn't know how to explain. And then with that, it was like a really helpful realization to realize that okay, I am not my thoughts, right? That right. The, the stuff that's going through my head is not ultimately me. That I'm like the awareness that's can watch and observe those thoughts without necessarily getting caught up in them and yeah. that was really uh a freeing shift um for me that helped a lot in my my own mental health journey but also just um spiritually as well it gave me a di- kind of a different lens or perspective on on life and like our relationship to the self and um yeah and i think that it did kind of spark an interest for me in, in picking up a lot of other books on those types of topics which just continues to this day that's amazing and i I would be remiss if i didn't mention the the other two that you mentioned you're happy to to dive in them a little bit but uh conversations with god by neil donald walsh and i'm not gonna tao to ching by lu zhao i i i know i butchered that but uh you can say it for me if you'd like yeah no worries uh yeah the Tao to ching um yeah, which is essentially, or sometimes they just call it the Tao. Um, yeah. But it's basically, and they don't even know for sure if Lao Tzu was a real person or if, in fact, he was a comp, like a sort of amalgam of many different spiritual teachers. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think, it, I mean, it was written thousands of years ago in China, but similar to the power of now in some ways, like the, where when you're reading it, it just there's something about the word the um what it's speaking to that just resonates truth somehow to me like that just seems like um and there's a lot of i think truisms about that are really practical and applicable to just living life in general um but yeah that um that is one that i can always like come back to and get new insights from um and yeah conversations with god is a fascinating book too it's actually of course a series of books but um that i i kind of wasn't sure what to make of it at first because it, it, in case you're not familiar it's sort of this guy the the author was saying that he um at a really low point in his life just sort of kind of started venting to god or to the universe yeah. and all of a sudden started hearing responses and and hearing a voice like in response and so um, I was kind of like, well, I don't know what to make of that, but, right. but I'll just suspend, you know, suspend my disbelief or whatever. Maybe it's true. Um, and, uh, found that there were, yeah, a lot of, again, just really profound things said in the book that, um, that speak to kind of the depths of maybe who we are and why we're here. And it really gave me a lot of just uh, different ways of, reflecting on on life or spirituality or um struggle or you know all all kinds of different themes that come up in that book but um it was kind of made me think like wow if this is true uh this is really um, it kind of turns a lot of things that we've conventionally held to be true in in some even established religions on their head and and, uh, gives us a new way of thinking about um, who or what God is. Uh, and yeah, it's really, really interesting read. So that's amazing. I appreciate you sharing those. And, um, of course, 
not or last but not least, if you had a personal call to action to offer uh, those listening, what would that be? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, I think I would encourage people to don't be shy about asking for help because we all need help um, with all kinds of different things. And we're not supposed to, we're not made to go it alone, so to speak. Um, so I would say ask for help and, um, and invest in yourself. Yeah. Because whether that's, whether that's financially or even just investing time and energy and, and um, work into, into yourself and, and becoming the fullest expression of, of who you are, what you can be. I think um, that's something that we're all invited and called to do, but that we don't have to do. Um, but I think that it can lead to some incredible rewards. And uh, yeah, so I guess, I guess that's, if I had to summarize, I'd say, um, don't hesitate to ask for help and, and invest in yourself. I love that. I love that. That's that's incredible advice. Tad, if people would like to reach out, what is the best way for them to contact you, to follow you, to join your groups? Uh, which is, what's the best place to find you? Yeah, definitely. So they can go to tadlusk.com, my website, and there's a, a contact right on there. And um, it can also uh, just join me in those free Facebook groups uh, that you mentioned, Mental Health Mastery and uh, Empowered Introvert Entrepreneurs. And I'm really active in there and they can connect with me there as well. Fantastic. Dad, again, thank you so incredibly much for doing this with me. It was a it was a wonderful conversation. And um, I, of course, I cannot wait to uh, thank Nicole for, for introducing us. But uh, yeah, this has just been a fantastic. So thank you again. Yeah. Hey, Trey, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it and really appreciate the invite. And uh, I totally enjoyed it and was uh, honored to be able to do this. So thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. One more time, I'd like to extend a huge thank you to Tad Lusk for joining me on the podcast. I highly encourage you, as always, to please check out the show notes, both in your podcast players and at the themosaiclifepodcast.com. In the notes, you'll find links to all of Tad's contact information, as well as the two Facebook groups we mentioned. And like you said, they're extremely active and very, very helpful. If you want to do better in your own life and you're looking for someone to help you in that journey, please don't hesitate to reach out. Of course, thank all of you for taking time out of your days to listen to this podcast. It means absolutely the world to me, and I can't thank you enough I hope you continue receiving value out of these conversations. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at Trey Kaufman, and you can also find the podcast on Facebook by searching for The Mosaic Life Podcast. Again, if you would like to support the podcast, pressing subscribe is the easiest way to do so, and you can also leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. That helps me and the podcast continue growing. Thank you all again so incredibly much for your support. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.